0: for the reading of today's scripture. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And in John uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of God. Let's remain standing while I uh, just pray for the sermon. Father, we love you. We've come to hear from you today, Father. So we pray that uh, we would open up our hearts to receive what it is you have for us today, Lord. Father, we all have a need to just hear from you, and I just pray that you would anoint the lips of the of uh, mark as he brings forth your word today father and just let it sink deep uh into our understanding of who you are and the desire you have for us as your children we love you and we thank you just bless this time in your son's name amen
1: well good morning refuge church i uh as you can tell, you're looking around this morning, you see a lot of Patriots jersey, a lot of Patriots gear. There's a big game today, and uh, as I was sitting down there, well, you know, if you're watching the game this afternoon, right before the game, you'll see a lot of the uh, position groups get together, and they'll be jumping around and firing each other up, and as I was sitting in my seat down there, I was like, you know, they expect me to sit here and just be still and somber in this church service, but I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get into it. So, uh, so, uh, if you will indulge me, I'd I'd just like to pray, uh, one more time, please. Dear God, we're just so grateful for today, Lord. We're grateful for your word, God. We're grateful that you brought the, uh, the group from Mexico back safely, God, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for Pastor Kyle. We pray for him right now as he is out, Lord, um, seeking you, God. I pray that you would just shine a light in his life, Lord, um. Lord, I pray this morning that your spirit would speak to us, Lord. I thank you for what you've uh, shown me in preparation of this, Lord. And I pray that you would just use it in the lives of all of us here so that we can glorify you, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, well, I am excited to be here this morning and have a chance to get into Genesis chapter 1. Uh, last week, Pastor Craney did a great Uh, intro into our study that we're going to be spending some time in the book of Genesis. And uh, luckily I get to kick that off. And this is a particularly exciting chapter because this is where we first meet God. Um, This is the the beginning. Uh, In any story we meet the characters along the way. And there's a character establishing moment in each story. This is a moment early in the story when we meet the character and we learn something definitive about them. We get to know this character. Um, I'm kind of a TV junkie, so a lot of the, you know, examples that I have might come from TV, but maybe if you guys have ever watched The Big Bang Theory, uh, there is an, right in the first episode, there's a scene where Penny is sitting on Sheldon's spot on the couch. And Sheldon goes into this epic monologue about how this is his spot and you can't sit here because this, the, air conditioner blows directly on him at a certain place in the summer and in the winter the, wind, uh, the heat blows one way and it's right the perfect angle to the TV and you can't sit here because this is my spot. Now we learn about Sheldon right in this first interaction that he's kind of selfish and he's uh, particular to be kind. Um, maybe if you've watched the BBC show uh, Sherlock, there is an example in the first episode, Sherlock Holmes meets John Watson. And within just a couple minutes of their interaction, Sherlock is able to deduce things about him that no one would ever be able to figure out. He knows his history in the military. He knows his family history problems that he has all just from a quick interaction. And we learn about Sherlock Holmes that he's the greatest detective that's ever lived because he can pick these things out so easily. Um, And then, you know, my personal favorite is from uh, the old Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. Maybe you guys remember that with Gene Wilder. I used to love that movie um, when I was a kid. And, you know, you go through the beginning of the movie, and everybody's excited to go to the Chocolate Factory. And there's this big party going on outside. And then all of a sudden, the door opens, and here comes Willy Wonka. And he's got a cane, and he's limping slowly. And you hear him click, 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 click and it's this long, drawn out scene. And then finally he gets to the end and his cane kinda moves a little and he looks like he's gonna trip and fall, but he does a somersault out of it, rolls and everybody goes crazy and they're excited. Uh, We learn about Willy Wonka a couple things. We learn you probably can't trust him. (laughs) And that you never know what to expect when you see him. So these are character establishing moments. They're things that we learn about these characters immediately and they inform uh, the rest of what we know. Um, Genesis 1 is our introduction to God. Uh, I don't read much fiction, but recently I read a short story, and there was no dialogue for the first few pages. It was all scene setting, and I got bored pretty quick. Um, There isn't much scene setting or backstory in Genesis 1. His presence is assumed by Moses, and very quickly we'll see this morning the character-establishing moment of God. We'll see how God uses light to fill void and darkness. So again, very quickly we jump in, and Bill read this morning um, from Genesis 1. I'm going to read it again, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So, without form and void, we're jumping very quickly in verse 2. He says, the earth was without form and void. They're empty. Um, the message is clear here that everything comes from God. He created it. In Revelation 4, 11, it says, God created all things, and by his will they existed, and they were created. Um, If you read, and we're not going to read through each verse in Genesis 1, but if you read through them, you'll see that there are so many things that are created that we might not even think that they had to be created because they're so intrinsic to our everyday life. When he talks about creating light and then calling light day and day and night, he's creating all these things because nothing existed when he started There was nothing. He created it. But at this moment, in verse 2, there was nothing. The earth was without form and void. I'm going to read to you from um, the Keyword Study Bible, if you guys have ever been able to uh, read one of those. It it talks a lot about, uh, it gives the definitions of the original Hebrew or Greek words. And there's a word uh, for formless or without form um, in the Hebrew, and it's uh, tohu, I think. Um, and I'm going to read it. It says the word comes from an unused Hebrew root word. It means desolation, a desolated city, a worthless thing, confusion, emptiness, vanity, wasteness, unreality, nothing. It says that this word has no parallels in other languages. There's no, there's no word for this in English, so that's why we're trying to come up with all these other words to convey it. So we have to use the context from the Old Testament to, to try to understand it. But there's one thing that's very clear, that it has a negative connotation. Uh, it's been translated differently by different scholars. Sometimes you'll see, without form and void, like we had this morning. Um, others say, unformed and unfilled, void and vacancy. Absolutely nothing whatsoever, a formless waste, waste and void, void and vacant, a desolate waste, unformed and void. In the message, um, that's a paraphrase version of the Bible, it says the earth was a soup of nothingness. Now, for me, actually, that's kind of nice because I don't really like soup, so if there was nothing in it, I'd be happy. But for most people, a soup of nothingness, not so great. There was nothing, complete emptiness. Um... And again, Moses seems to be intentional in the rest of the chapter, as we talked about, trying to get us to understand this. Everything you can think of was made. Time and space, light and darkness, the heavens and its inhabitants, the seas and its inhabitants, and the earth and its inhabitants. If all this stuff is recorded as being made, then it stands to reason that at the beginning, there was nothing. Um, I recently got... uh, a new job and I work with a group of engineers. And basically it's the job of an engineer to think of everything. Um, Recently we created a program, um, a computer program. So now when you create this program somebody has to write the program. Somebody has to figure out how to put the program on a disk. And then you have to create a label that goes on the disk. And then for all these things that create, you create, you have to create part numbers that go along with them. And then one big part number for the whole kit that goes together. It's very interesting stuff. I can tell that you guys are all really excited about it. But job of an engineer is to come up, think of all these different things. And God, of course, is the perfect engineer. He engineered the earth and he came up with each of these things and created each of them. And that's, that's what we see in chapter one. He gives us step-by-step, uh, So how you can see everything was made by God when he started with nothing. In the ESV study Bible, uh, it says that this emptiness that we're talking about, this without form and void, it's to imply that it lacked order and content. And that note resonated with me because in my own life, when I feel empty is usually when I lack order and content. Um, For me, order... Is, uh, is having a purpose. It's living with a purpose. When I'm living for myself, I lack that order and that content. I don't have any uh, reason. I'm just trying to get through today. I'm just trying to make it through to the next thing. I don't have order. I don't have a purpose for going. And then um, the content, if it's lacking content, it's, uh, there's no depth to what I'm doing. What I'm doing only matters for now. It doesn't matter for the future. Um, so he's saying there's an emptiness and it implies lack of order and content. And I could see that in my own life. Um, in the comparison of when I feel empty, it's when I have, don't have a purpose and don't have a content. I'm just trying to make it through. I'm just trying to live to get to the next day. Uh, in Acts seventeen twenty-eight, it says, in him we live and move and have our being. This was a quote from a contemporary poet at that time, and Paul was using it in a speech in Athens. Um, and basically he's saying, everything that we have is in God through Jesus Christ. In him we live and move and have our being. We, we have our being. Everything is from Jesus. Without him, we have nothing, right? That's the, that's the opposing side. If that's where we have our life, and our movement, and even our existence, then outside of him, we don't have life, movement, or existence. What we have is empty. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul uses the phrasing that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead, emptiness, nothing. Um, this is the, the wording that the Bible describes our life without Jesus. Um, you know, throughout my life, I've uh, struggled with some with uh, bad sinuses, right? I always stuffed up, and recently I had some diet changes, and I uh, and it cleared it cleared it up quite a bit. And I remember talking to Tammy one day and saying, "This is what it feels like to breathe." I didn't know, right? Didn't know what I didn't know. Um, sometimes with this emptiness that God is talking about, uh, if we've never felt the fullness, we don't even realize that we're empty. Sometimes we don't even know that we have this void in our heart because we don't know what it means to be full. But other times, we're very aware of the emptiness. We can feel it. We've tried to fill this void with anything and everything that we can think of. If you're here this morning and you say, I feel empty, I want you to take heart. Because if you don't know Jesus, that emptiness is exactly what you're supposed to be feeling. Because there's a void in your life that only he can fill. In Ecclesiastes 2, King Solomon talked about how he was so rich that he could have whatever he wanted. Now we hear that and we think okay, sure, whatever he wanted. Uh, I read a blog post, and, and I don't know how they did the math, but they did a comparison of what he made a year from what it says that he, he um, what he made through his work and everything, uh, and translated out to what it would be in U.S. dollars today. It said he made $1.5 billion a year. Okay? Now, I don't know how accurate that is, but the bottom line is he made a ton of money. And he says, whatever I wanted, I had. I bought it. He was so rich that he got whatever he wanted. And after getting everything that he wanted, he said, all was vanity and a striving after wind. He said it was nothing. I had everything that I wanted on this earth, and it was nothing. Um, In verse 2, Matthew Henry, in his commentary, he quotes on it. He says, Learn hence that God is not only the author of all being, but the fountain of life and spring of motion. Dead matter would be forever dead if he did not quicken it. And this makes it credible to us that God should raise the dead. That power which brought such a world as this, what we have around us, out of confusion, emptiness, and darkness at the beginning of time can at the end of time bring our bodies out of the grave and make them glorious. If he took this earth that was empty and made it what you see here, what can he do in our hearts? What can he do for us? He continues, if the work of grace in the soul is a new creation, then this emptiness and chaos represents the state of of an unregenerate, graceless soul. There's disorder, confusion, and every evil work it's empty of all good, for it is without God. It is dark. It is darkness in itself. This is our condition by nature, till almighty grace affects a blessed change. In Isaiah forty-five eighteen, Isaiah says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, He is God. He formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty, he, for, excuse me, he did not create it to be empty, he formed it to be inhabited. It wasn't supposed to be empty, it was supposed to be full. God created it to be full, and the same can be said for us, for our lives. We weren't created to be empty, we were created to be full. So we see that God created the heavens and the earth in verse 1, and that there was an emptiness in verse 2, just as we have an emptiness in our heart. And just like the earth was without form and void, and we are without form and void, until verse 3, when we finally hear God speak and he has his character establishing moment. The first recorded words from God are, let there be light. Now, this is awesome. This is exciting. This, what I think of is like when you, uh, when you go to a concert, and this is obviously a poor Representation, but just something to be able to get our minds around it. You go to a concert, and uh, you're sitting there, and you're waiting for the band to come out, and then finally they come out, and that, with that first note, the lights come out. Boom! And it's so bright and overpowering. That's the kind of let there be light, like, bam, there was no light, and now here it is. And this is just from his words. He spoke it into existence. You know, about the closest that I can get to speaking something into existence is when I say, uh, hey Siri, call my wife. That's, it. That's about the closest that I can get, right? And usually even that doesn't work. But I said I at said one time, and she responded, which one? I said, the current one, please, the current one. God spoke this into existence. Uh, After creating the heavens and the earth, his first act is to fill the darkness. And he filled it with a particular kind of light that we're familiar with. In verse 5, it goes on to call it daylight. Uh, He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. God chose to fill the void of darkness with light. And that's the first thing that he did. The first thing that we see first thing that we hear. Darkness has a particularly bad connotation throughout scripture. I found some phrases, uh, excuse me, I found some phrases from scripture that talk about darkness. Uh, It says, throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. Behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. And possibly the worst example, Jesus at his time of death, Tells his accusers, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. I mean, I think we can all understand dark bad, right? That's pretty straightforward. Um, And even in our lives, the things that we do in hiding are often what gets us in trouble, right? It's the darkness in our lives. Um, You know, if we say, well... I know that I'm kind of cutting quarters here at my job. I know that it's probably not legal to do what I'm doing, but nobody knows it's not going to be a big deal, and, and I have to for my job. Or if we say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just doing some, some harmless flirting with that person. My wife, my husband, they'll never find out. It's no big deal. Uh, maybe even it's something inside our heart. It's how we feel towards others. It's bitterness. It's darkness. These things that happen in hiding are often what we find gets us in trouble. And God's response to this empty darkness is to fill it with light. And this is his character establishing moment. This is when we learn this is what God is all about. Filling the darkness with light. In our text in John 1, we saw that the word, which is a reference to Jesus, was there. And he was a part of creating. And in verse 4 and 5 it says... In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In the creation story, God speaks into existence light. This was something that hadn't been created yet. Uh, but in this version in John, we see that he's, he has a figurative light, and that shines. It's Jesus Christ. In John 9, 5, Jesus says, As long as I am in the world... I am the light of the world. Three verses into the Bible, we're reading about God creating light to fill the void of darkness in the earth. It's the first thing that we learn about him, and it's the most important thing that we'll ever learn about him. Thousands of years later, he'll use the same terminology, now figurative, that he'd used at the very beginning. In a few sentences, we're introduced to God, his spirit and his word, We have a matter-of-fact statement that the universe was made by God with the kind of power that turns nothing into something and darkness to light. As the Bible story unfolds, we'll discover that God is the one who makes everything new, forgives sin, heals sickness, and brings the dead to life. That's what the Bible is all about, and the stage is set in these first few words. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, The same God who gave light to the world gives light in our hearts. The problem that we run into often, and tell me, you know, maybe you guys are different than me, but this is a problem that I run into often, is that I don't see the light in our hearts as daylight, always there shining brightly. When you go outside, it doesn't matter if there's clouds in the sky It's still light. You still are able to see things. What I see it as a lot of times instead is a flashlight. Maybe it's that emergency flashlight that you keep by the side of your bed in case the power goes out or in case you need it for some reason. That's often how I see the light of Jesus. When we need it, we'll switch it on. When I'm looking for something, when I need something, I'm going to go and get it and turn it on and I'll use that light until I'm done with it, and then I'll put it back, and I know where I can go to find it later. That's not the way he describes the light of Jesus. This light is not a small little light that you take whenever you need it. It's a light that's always there. It fills the darkness. Um, we go through a trial, and we need that light, but once the trial is over, we put it back on the nightstand. And maybe it's not even a bad thing. Maybe you're going through a good thing. Maybe it's a, um, you know, you're doing something at church and you know, okay, uh, well, I, I need God for this. So I got to go and, and be with him and spend time with him and learn from him for this. And then once that thing at church is done, that's fine. I can, I can put him back and, and I can go back to living my regular life. Well, that's not how he describes it. And, I you know, so like real talk time. This was me uh, preparing for this sermon. Uh, I was just—I telling a couple guys this morning that uh, I spent, uh, no word of a lie, I probably spent three hours staring at my laptop screen trying to come up with a coherent sentence, trying to come up with anything that made any sense. And that's because recently I've allowed a lot of distractions to get in and I haven't been spending time with God. I haven't been uh, living in the light. So I sat there, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand up there and just be silent, I guess, for 30 minutes and hope that they don't stone me because I have no clue what I'm going to say. Now, this is the glory of God, that in that time when I went to him, he provided for me. It doesn't mean that he's not going to be there for you when you need him. He will. He'll be there for you when you need him, even if you aren't living in the light all the time. But the problem is you miss out on so much. You miss out on your, um, your time with him which is so edifying and uplifting to you, but also you miss out on your opportunity to fulfill his command for you to be the light of the world. If you don't have the light in you, if it's not shining brightly in you, how are you going to shine that light to others? Um, So often we have the God, the Jesus, the church part of our life, and then we have the rest of our life that we kind of split off and we allow the light to be in certain aspects, but we don't allow it to fill us. Well, Jesus has a response to that mindset. Uh, We saw that there was a parallel between the created earth and its empty void, Uh, you know, it was without form and void, and and how we have have that in our hearts without Jesus. Excuse me. And we saw that God sent light. Let there be light to fill the darkness of the earth and the darkness of our hearts. But now we'll see that that light that was sent Is the light of life. In John 8 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again, in John 1 4, it said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You see, it's not a one time turning on of a light, it's a light that is our life. He is our life. Remember in Acts 17 earlier it said, uh, in him we live and move and have our being. He is our life. He's not only our life here on earth, but Jesus promises eternal life to anyone who believes in him. We'll not only have life on earth here, which is where we live, tend to focus a lot of time but we'll have that life in heaven as well and that's what makes the light of life so powerful we become consumed with our lives on earth but when jesus is speaking he's speaking of a, a larger plan in john twelve forty six, it says i've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness we can't try to keep one foot in darkness and one foot in light that's that's not how it works we can't try to just keep our life separated. We have to be all in. Uh, in 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10, which actually this is uh, what Bill was mentioning earlier, uh, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. So you can't have both. You can't be walking in darkness and say that you're in light. In verse 7 it says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He's saying you, don't, you can't walk in both. But listen, this is what the light is. Okay, If you leave behind that darkness, he is there. We'll have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all your sins. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, I'm not telling you that darkness and light, oh, they can't be together. So if you sin once, then no, you're not walking in the light. That's not what I'm saying. He's saying, you're going to sin. You sin. We understand that but you need to walk in the light. You can't be trying to walk in the darkness. You need to be walking in the light. If we confess our sins in verse 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You will sin, but confess the sin. Be cleansed. Be cleansed and walk in the light. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Leave the darkness behind and walk in the light. It's a beautiful picture of this life of light that Jesus is speaking of. When we're living in the light, we have this blessing in our lives. But as I mentioned before, we're also able to fulfill our calling to be the light to others. Matthew five fourteen to 16 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before others so they can see the good works to give glory to God in heaven. Uh, Of course, I read these verses, and if you know any uh, kids' songs, you immediately think of, um, of what? But, all right, thank you. <laughs> uh, this is the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, right? And hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine, right? We don't want to hide our light. We want to live with the light shining through us. It says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. We don't want to be living in the darkness. We don't want to hide this light. We want to shine it for others to see, and give glory to God. Uh, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if we're looking for this light, if we want to find it, we look to his word. That's where we look. And that will light our way. Um, Live in the light. Let the darkest corner of your heart be filled with light. Let the hurt of betrayal, the pain of loss, the selfishness that we hold on to—let them be filled with light. So, so, what do we do when we feel empty? Uh, as I was preparing, I was reminded of a song by a group called Rent Collective. It's called "My Lighthouse." I'm just going to read some of the lyrics. I'm not going to sing it. Um, It says, in my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust the promise that you will carry me safe to shore. Sometimes in our darkest periods, God says, let there be light in a huge, majestic, glorious way like we talked about before that's overpowering. And then sometimes he says, let there be light in a far-off lighthouse kind of way where you can just barely see this dimly, dimly dim little bit of light, but you can see it, and it's there. Whatever way he fills the darkness and emptiness of your life with his light. Keep your eyes on it. Be filled with that light that is life. If you came in this morning and you're struggling and you feel empty and you feel darkness, please come and talk to one of us. Talk to myself, Pastor Creaney, Pastor Marin. And if Jesus is speaking to you and telling you today that he wants to fill that, Fill that emptiness in your life. I'd love to chat with you and, I'd, and, and just keep your eyes on him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that you chose to fill the darkness of this world with light. And that you chose to fill the darkness of our hearts with light. God, without you, we have nothing. But we thank you so much that you graciously and just in tremendous ways give of yourself. You don't hold yourself back. God, I pray as we go out this week, Lord, that we will Live in the light. That we'll let you shine through us. That we'll be looking to your word for that light.
0: Continue. Now.